1: 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome in to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another edition of New Orleans Pelicans podcast, the official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans, and it's only official because of Jim Eichenhofer from NewOrleansPelicans.com. Jim, good morning to you, sir. How are you? I'm good, Gus. How are you? Well, you know, I'm here, man. It is uh, it is a Monday. It's crazy to think you only have, what, two weeks, two and a half weeks or so left in this uh, in this calendar year. And it's an interesting time of the NBA season because we're going to get into so much, players to watch, why this week is somewhat important, including tonight's game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But is it just me, or did it feel because of the in-season tournament last week, the fact there was only two games, I almost felt like it was a mini All-Star break?
3: Yeah, and I think for a lot of teams, other teams around the league, it probably felt that way even more, the fact that they had this long break between the end of last week, where teams played Friday or Saturday, and then we're done all the way up until Wednesday. Um, it did it did this past weekend definitely felt like a little bit of an all star break. It's rare that you have both Saturday and Sunday with no games. We we were hoping that we would have a game on Saturday mm-hmm. to play, but uh, but no, you're right. It it does feel that way, and I think that's one thing that teams are going to like about the in season tournament. It, it does provide a little bit of a longer stretch where you're not playing as many games. think one of the things, when you look back
2: at last week, the excitement level of a week ago, what this team did in Sacramento, be able to play in that environment, you heard what that did for them, and they thought how it would help them moving forward. Jim, learning lessons is kind of something that uh, I keep thinking about when I think of what took place last week in Vegas and in Sacramento. Sometimes you can have good learning lessons, right? Where my seven-year-old, who turned seven this past week, is all excited and happy. And there's other times where I'm like, You know, the finger is out and I'm shaking it and (laughs) I got little crocodile tears coming down there and he has to understand some of those tougher lessons in life. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's what I take out of that game on Thursday, especially hearing how Willie Green and the players have not only spoke after that game, but talked about at practice yesterday. They're looking at it as a, a tough lesson to learn.
3: Yes, I think last week, like you mentioned, I think it was a really good learning experience. Um... I think there are definitely things that you can take away from both games. It it kind of demonstrated a little bit, I think, of the nature of this team, which they're trying to get past and trying Mm -hmm. to improve upon, which is you don't want to have so many swings from game to game where you're at a huge high and then you're at a big low. Um, I mean, to some extent, uh, this is not surprising. And it it is funny. I always have said going back years and years that – you try not to have every game be a referendum on the team, but it kind of felt that way last week, you know, that people after Monday's game, a lot of people around the NBA were kind of like, man, this Pelicans team, they ta- <laughs> look at the talent that they have and look at, look at how much they came through. Sleeping a, Giants, right? T- yeah, yeah, exactly. Sleeping, sleeping Giants. giants. Yeah. And then Thursday, it was like the end of the world, the apocalypse. <laughs> everything's terrible. Yeah. Um, what can we change? What no. drastic moves we can make? So I well, wanna... at least we didn't get to sell the team. I mean, I, <laughs> we've at least improved from <laughs> right. that aspect right. of it.
2: Every time there would be
3: a, pad, a bad Pell's game, somebody naturally would be like, "It's time to move the team." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, "Where are they moving to?" No, no yeah. doubt. No, I, so I think in both cases, I wanna, I wanna. Tem- I know this is boring to say, but I wanna temper my reaction slightly, and not act like you know they're going all the way to the championship and everything is amazing after Sacramento and now. Um, that the the world is falling apart uh, now that they lost right. the Lakers game, but um, I do think that there are there are takeaways from both. But I do feel like having a few days to kind of step back from Thursday's loss and how rough that was. Mm-hmm. It does make you feel at least for me, it makes me be a little bit more sane and a little bit less reactionary and hot-takey just because you realize, like, okay, there's 59 games left in the season now. Yeah. We're going right back to where we were. Where you're Now it's about Western Conference standings. It's about trying to move up and that kind of stuff.
2: There was one common denominator between both of those teams going in on Thursday, and both were looking at this as a way to prep themselves for, for the Pels to be a team that can run into the playoffs and try to... You know, get to places they hadn't been yet. But you heard LeBron say it after they won on Tuesday. This was a championship tune-up for him. He mm-hmm. he was taking it. And he wanted his team to take it as, this is our, our tune-up because we're here to win championships, right? And we saw his effort. Because, Jim, the Pelicans led at the end of the first quarter. Mm. The Pelicans right. led
3: up by one. at yep. the end
2: of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And that was a game in which, Graf said it during the broadcast, LeBron on the bench. Pelicans made headway, if not even got to within three, and we're leading at the end of one. LeBron got on the court, back to back to back threes. The you know three charges in the first half. What I'm saying is, you saw what that caliber player is. And if there's something I do take out of that, it I'm not gonna call it a wake up call. It's a okay. You were on the court in front of all those lights, in front of all those eyes, and all those cameras against a team that wants to win a championship. Now you know what it's like. It's a different level. It's not the postseason level, mm-hmm. and that's something, Jim, that I think we, we sometimes maybe forget because it's crazy to think. They haven't been in the playoffs together. You know, Zion, CJ, and B.I. have not played right. a single playoff mm-hmm. game together. Mm-hmm. So that that was one vision of it. And then the other thing I took out of that was Zion after the game saying, hey, I got to be better because I got to match that effort. And now now you see it's one thing to be a face – or want to be one of the top players, want to be, but to actually play, not watch it on TV, but to see the man himself take two charges from you. I just, mm-hmm. I think that's something that sticks with you, right? Because now you know what it takes. You saw it firsthand.
3: 100%. I mean, I would guess that this was something that was conveyed on TV too, if you're watching it, but just being there in person, it felt like that even more for me, is just if you watch the body language that, LeBron came to the court with if you watch the way that he carried himself I mean it was clear that he was he showed up to play a playoff game to play an NBA finals level game right and the Pelicans definitely did not match that and I think in some of the comments that you heard after practice on Sunday which was setting aside right after the game Mm -hmm. Thursday night the first time that the players and Willie Green spoke to the media um I think they acknowledged that, that it was, they weren't ready for it, whether it was, you know, just mentally or emotionally, it was, LeBron was at a different level. And, and I mean, we all have to admit that. And so, and, and, Jim, I just want to interrupt because it's not like the, the Pels didn't want to
2: win or show up. Right. It's just We've all been there, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of times where we're like, hey, I'd like to host a show. i like to do it. And all of a sudden, you get asked nationally to fill in and get, you got the butterflies. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And, and it's being able to adjust and be that. And I thought Willie Green said it best yesterday after practice. How do you get there? Experience. You, you just You can't mimic that. I can't recreate it. I can't turn the lights down in the facility and make it seem like there's more people... You have to go through it. And I can't think of any other sport, and I've said this so much on my talk show, Jim, where in the NBA, it's the sport where you have to go through growing pains. Mm -hmm. Period. LeBron had to do it. Jordan, the Bulls, right? I mean, you can literally go through teams that have won more than one championship, and they had to get past a franchise. They had to get over a tough loss they had to somehow come back next year after losing at the buzzer in a game seven i mean chris paul's still waiting for a championship you know it's just right it it, there's no other sport that i can really think of where you have to go through a growing pain and it's going to hurt it just is but your guys have to go through it right
3: yeah and i hope that this Thursday game is something that they that kind of sticks with them. Mm-hmm. I like how you put it where you said, you know, it's not necessarily a wake up call, but it is kind of a you look around and say, Man, we maybe we're not as close to where we need to be as far as being ready for the playoffs. Well, hey, we work
2: hard. But we have to work hard, right? It's just now, now; it's a different level.
3: And you've got five months before. Sure. Hopefully, you make the playoffs. But you, but you know, between now, mid December and April, that you have to raise your game and your intensity and your consistency. Probably is the most important thing of of all of those because you just don't want to see what happened Thursday night happen again ever.
2: Yeah, no doubt. But I, I do think there's something positive you can take out of that's not me just trying to be positive. I, I think that's legit. You saw that, and look, let's be honest: we got treated. We got treated to one of those, those games those nights we go, that guy is literally argued by many as the greatest to have ever played this right. game. It's not, hey, this guy's pretty good. Like, the greatest to have ever played. You saw it in person. Now you can understand and feel what that was like and they wound up winning saturday
3: and when he's making 35 footers the case for (laughs) literally him being if he's going to make those (laughs) shots then i i'm not going to sit here and argue with anybody about what his status is in the history of the game But it's everything when it got to
2: charges he Mm -hmm. he passed and all those different things and more importantly as zion said afterwards too it affects the team he 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 helped the team all of a sudden and get going and everything
1: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
2: So that said, as we move into now this week, Jim, I think it's very big and important. At least we don't have a back-to-back this week. And now we still right. have four games, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Sunday. But when you look at everything that, that comes in it, I think it is maybe can you put that lesson into good use or, or see if you learned it? Because tonight's game against Minnesota – it's a tough one. The T-Wolves, pretty good this year.
3: Yeah, they're first in the Western Conference. They're 17-4 and four right now. Um, this is the best start that they've had to a season maybe in their franchise history, and I think the first time that they've been in first place in the West in about 20 years. They had a season in the, in the mid-2000s where they made the Western Conference Finals. That was with Kevin Garnett, Latrell Sprewell. Sam Cassell. So, they're at a rate a level that we have not seen from them. I mean, they're way above what they usually yeah. have done. I mean, they they're a team with, with their franchise history. I mean, if, when they have seasons where they win 45-ish games, they're very happy because a lot of that is something that they haven't been able to achieve. So, yeah, this is a this is an interesting way to kind of get back into the normal uh part of your schedule. One thing that's important to note as we record this Monday morning, Anthony Edwards is, is listed as questionable with a hip injury. Jaden McDaniels is also questionable. So we'll see if if those two guys play. But kind of a very difficult way to start the, the week for the Pelicans. Um, but then they have a road trip where they're playing against three teams that are all struggling. The Wizards and the Spurs are both 3-18. and The Charlotte Hornets are the game on Friday. They're off to a rough start, don't have LaMelo Ball. Um so it's gonna be about trying to get wins against teams that are not doing very well, but as we just saw on last weekend when the Pelicans played the Bulls, you can't just show up at a at a game and look at the other team's record and say like, eh, we'll no just doubt. we'll just, you know, play a decent game and win. I mean so it's not it's to me it's about two things after the game against Minnesota. It's about you have to play better on the road and you have to be more consistent against some of the teams that are have some of the poorer records in the league. You bring up the the whole road record that the Pels have not had
2: a good record so far this season. Mm-hmm. Last year they did, and I guess to your point, this is a good way to kind of do it. Look, Willie Green says it: if you want to be high in the standings and you want to get to that sixty, you got to win your home games. They've done okay, you know, from that aspect of it. When you look at this week, you're right: one home, three road. So you got to go out there and you got to prove to be able to to win on the
3: road. Yeah, and and they've only they really only have one win on the road over the last few weeks. They won at the Clippers. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving that was a very good road win they had a a road win at Oklahoma City in the first week of the regular season as well but besides that it's been pretty dry as far as picking up victories Um, they had the two losses in Utah another team that does not have a very good record so I mean you you have to be able to start stringing together wins on the road especially against teams that you know are, are kind of vulnerable
2: think one of the things as well when you look at going into this game here as well uh matchups right I mean when you look at these games that they're going to be playing this week matchups is always something that's interesting uh we haven't seen Washington so far this season Charlotte's going to be an interesting one here as well because ball can have a good game and sometimes you know they have a lot of young talent Mm -hmm. over there Mm -hmm. and and I want to say last year I mean another sign of growth Jim is to be able to go and if you're better than these teams, you have to win, right? I right. mean all those things. Mm-hmm. But what about Minnesota tonight? I- is such a, a matchup
3: issue for the Pels this year. Yeah, I mean one one player that the Pelicans have really struggled with in the two games is Carl Anthony Towns has been phenomenal. Um he's he averaged he's averaged twenty-six points in the first two games, but what stands out even more to than that is his shooting splits are insane. He's shooting he shot eighty three percent from the field, eighty-six percent from three-point range, 80% on uh, free throws against the Pelicans in the two games. So, you know, we talk about the 50-40-90 guy, but mm-hmm. he's been a 80-80-80 guy, guy in the two matchups. So, yeah, defensively they have to do so much better job against him. Um, Edwards has been, been pretty good. He's played about normal for his standards. Again, we don't know whether he's going to play or not tonight, but... Um, Nas Reed is another guy people around here are familiar with from his days at LSU. Yeah, they, they're a a team where you have to bring it defensively, but especially in the front court, because they have bigs that can really hurt you. Um, Another number that kind of stands out too, from the two games, Rudy Gobert, we know he's a great defensive player, has won defensive player of the year. He's averaged 17 points in the two games. So there's another guy that has really hurt you around the basket and in the paint. So, that's, I think those are that, those are really the main reasons why, beyond Edwards, who has had maybe not so much this season, but in the past has had some huge games in the Smoothie King Center and the bigs that they have. It's a, it's a difficult combination. Um, I think people thought that they would be good this year, but I don't even think the biggest T-Wolves optimist would have said, yes, yeah, 17-4 and four through 21 games, yeah. so credit to them for the way that they've played so far.
2: Yeah, and I think when you take a look at the standings as we open up here on this December eleventh on Monday, Minnesota is on top at seventeen and four. OKC fourteen and seven. Look, if you've been paying attention, and I get it, um, outside of probably people that follow their team daily or weekly, mm-hmm. we knew this team was young and had some talent. It's just a matter of getting it together. And Chet Holmgren has really been kind of impressive here as they're in second spot.
3: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I think. It's, it's early, but we're starting to get to the point where it's like enough of a sample size that you kind of get a feel for what these teams are about. So go for this point in the year, for mid-December, for Minnesota and Oklahoma City to have the top two records, mm-hmm. that is pretty interesting to look at. Um, you know, another thing, too, I should mention that I was going to mention earlier for, and forgot, um, what's interesting about the season series against the Timberwolves from the Pelicans' perspective is they played them twice over a relatively short span. C.J. McCollum did not play in either game. Zion didn't play in either game because one of them was a back-to-back. Um, and I think the other one was he, he, he missed for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. And Trey Murphy, of course, just recently came back. So none of those three guys have played against the Timberwolves. Um, the home game was a one-point loss for the Pelicans. So, I mean, they almost won that game anyways. But I'm really curious to see New Orleans with much more representative um collection of players that that they have tonight than what they had in the previous two games against Minnesota. I
2: have a bad memory and I'm old, but this is the third Me game too. with them, right?
3: Yes. Okay. Yes.
2: Which is key because you want to stay in the hunt of at least splitting the season series, right? Mm-hmm. Because, again, right. obviously they're above you in the season standings. We don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months of standings-wise, but this is why that win last week in Sacramento was so big you had that season series by being able to right. get that third win, right? Mm-hmm. So tonight, tonight's kind of almost doubly important. I think it's a big game tonight.
3: I do. I mean, I kind of look at it as though it could be kind of a springboard. And again, we, we I talked earlier about how um, you don't want to make too many big sweeping statements from one game because, you know, you look great one game and then don't look good at all the next. And it's kind of, you know, every game is kind of its own thing. But... I mean, if they win tonight against the Timberwolves and get what I think would would be one of their best wins of the season, and then you go into this three-game road trip, maybe you can get some momentum. Maybe you can start to spring or string some wins together and get a little winning streak going.
2: All right, that takes us to, I guess, the thing that we love to do on Mondays, and that's look at players to watch and things to kind of keep an eye on this week here as well, Jim. Uh, So go ahead, dust off that, (laughs) wow, that's really dusty, that crystal ball you got in front of you, sir, (laughs) and give me some of the visions that you see. Who who do
3: you think is somebody that will stand out to
2: you this week?
3: Yeah, I think my player to watch for the Pelicans this week is kind of a similar theme to last week. Last week, my pick was Trey Murphy, um, just based on the fact that he had just returned from an injury. He had only played one game at that point, Um, played two games last week. Uh, Averaged 15 points a game, 42% from the field, 33 from three. Very small sample size, two games, but I think you know we're going to start to con- see him continue to be the Trey Murphy that we we know and have extreme um, hopes for as far as his potential and promise. This week's player to watch is going to be C.J. McCollum, also just recently returned from an injury where he'd been out for a few weeks. Um, curious to see how he does. I mean, part of why I pick him, too, is that you have some guards that are very important for some Mm -hmm. of the teams that the Pelicans are playing this week. Um, We mentioned Anthony Edwards, Mike Conley Jr. for the Timberwolves. Um, The Wizards have Tyus Jones at point guard um, and a couple of their key guys, Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole. The Hornets on Friday. Now, it's interesting. You mentioned LaMelo Ball. I don't think that he's going to be back for Friday's game. It's kind of dicey because they said he's going to be reevaluated in a week, and I believe they put that out last Thursday or Friday. Right. So, but nonetheless, even if he doesn't play, Terry Rozier has been one of their most important players. You know, coming up with some big baskets at one of the guard spots, and then on Sunday the game against the Spurs, um, there Pelicans haven't seen Wemby yet. Obviously, that's yeah. not going to be a CJ McCollum matchup, but. Um, A couple of their key guys, Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson, kind of wing players for the Spurs. So um, important to see CJ, you know, just round back into form and play well. And I feel like another reason I picked him, three of these four games are on the road. And I feel like the veteran guy, you kind of lean on him a little bit more in some of these games away from home for the leadership and just the big basket making. Can,
2: can I give you, can, can you mind if I be a part of this for a no, little bit? No,
3: by all means, I'd love to have you it's, pick it Instead of guy. a
2: player to watch, can I do a thing to watch? Sure. Or a part of the game to watch? Because mm-hmm. I do think it's something that has, I would say, plagued, but it's been an issue for the Pels. How about three-point shooting? When you look ahead at these four teams that we're going to be playing tonight, Minnesota, Washington Wednesday, Charlotte on Friday, the Spurs on Sunday, three-point defense seems to maybe creep up a little bit more than others. Like I keep thinking of some yeah. games where one team has 17 and you mm-hmm. have seven and mm-hmm. or the hot three-point shooting kind of puts you in a deficit. The Pels came back against the Lakers eventually and, and took the lead in the first quarter. But that, that opening salvo in that first quarter was bomb, bomb, bam, bam, yeah. three by them. Mm-hmm. It, it, so, Jimmy, I guess help me here. Am I looking at it as going the Pelicans' three-point defense is an issue that I want to see corrected? Or is that just what the NBA is right now, man, where teams are going to shoot threes and there's going to be portions of the game where threes are going to be made and I just need to breathe?
3: No, I think I think there's some truth to both statements that you said. I think there's truth to the Pelicans' three-point defense is a problem or a concern, but it also is an NBA issue. But I think this would be the case for a lot of categories. It's a much bigger problem lately on the road than it's been at home. I feel like across the board, you could almost say whether it's rebounding, defense, three-point shooting, transition, um, almost everything you look up. If you look up the splits, it's better. It's so much better for the Pelicans at home. So some of these games that you might point to and say the other teams made ten more threes than the Pelicans, it's. I feel like almost every time it's been a road game. So I, I definitely, I'm with you on that. The thing that was frustrating about the Lakers game, not that I want to bring that up again, but mm-hmm. um, they're not a good three-point shooting team. Second so to when, last. when you see yeah. them make 11 threes in the first half after they averaged nine... Point nine, I think it was per game going game. into that. <laughs> it was. It, I mean, it's it's frustrating because I mean, some of it was the Pelicans' defense needed to be better, but I mean, some of it sometimes you do run into teams that are hot. I like to play a
2: coach on my talk show, and even when I we do the podcast here. Mm-hmm. But is that something that maybe Willie Green can sort of do to try to help? I mean, look, over a season you have to prove it to, to say that you've gotten better on it. But is that something that you can put on the dry eraser board in the hallways over there across the parking line and be like, okay, this week three road games. That that's me writing on the dry racer board, um, <laughs> yep. road record right mm-hmm. dash tss, team shooting threes against us mm-hmm. tss, tss, rebounds yeah. again like let yeah. in other in other words those are things I want to focus on this week it, it's it's three games in these three games I want our three point defense to be better in these three games I want our rebounding to be like let's win each game obviously but. Specifically in this area, I want to come in at the end of the game, and I want to circle on the box score in front of everybody. We won these three
3: specific elements to that. I think you can, but because those
2: are teams, I think you can beat. Is what I'm saying, y-
3: yeah, no doubt, I think you can do that. But I think the three point defense comes down to a lot of kind of. It's like the the way that you perform three in three point defense and percentage is kind of the end result of steps that happened before that. So you're talking about you can tell a team okay we want to be better on three point defense but you have to do stuff before that which it, for the first thing is stopping the ball. I mean what, actually before that even is getting back on defense and matching up. And then once you do that you have to okay now we know who we're guarding now yeah. we're, we're we're matched up we're good there. But now we have to stop penetration to make sure that guys aren't getting into the lane and kicking out for open threes. So um I definitely think that's something that they can emphasize um but it comes down to and we saw this in the Lakers game a lot of times you're you're not getting back fast enough and then because, there's a domino effect of This guy's not back, so I have to help out on his man, and then this guy's helping out on my man, and then all of a sudden Torian Prince is making threes and gesturing to the skies after all of his his makes, and LeBron is strutting around. Going
2: into break, they showed Dyson Daniels going into the lane trying to block a shot. It was kicked out to the top of the key, and it was D'Angelo Russell knocking down a three, timeout. I I remember literally talking to Todd during the break there, Dyson Daniels is in the lane. He's in the paint. He needs to be out. You know, so it's to your point. Mm-hmm. Somebody penetrated. He's trying to block the shot and play defense there. The kick out, the three. And, you know, it's just – but it's it, things like that.
3: Yeah, and I'll say too, um, in general, the Pelicans' three-point defense has been good. I mean, okay. And some of this is – some of this is what you mentioned as far as is this just the way the NBA, NBA. is now? And I would say yes to some extent that is. But you, you definitely have to k- – Decrease the number of times where just that category is a big factor in you losing, especially on the road.
2: Yeah, maybe we should tell Graf that because I I kind of feel like during the games, like we can't throw it into the ocean, and then we wind up having more threes than the other team. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but it's that, that's what it is, right? That that is what today's NBA game is. There are teams, Jim. In your supercomputer, I'm sure you could pull it up, and maybe we'll talk about that later this week, but they are specifically teams that want 43-point attempts a game, and they hope they knock down 12.
3: Right, and I think one of the things that I always think about, um, I, I'm stealing this from someone else, but they they use the term volatility as far as three-point shooting goes. It's important to remember that it's such a live-by-the-sword-die-by-the-sword thing where... Um, you can't. it's not something that you can count on. You know what I mean? You're going to have wild swings. Mm-hmm. Some games you're going to shoot 60%. Some games you're going to shoot 20%. And even the teams like the Warriors have nights where they have two of the greatest shooters in the history of the game, and they still have nights where yeah. they, they struggle in that area. So um, all you can really do defensively is just try to prevent the other team from getting wide-open shots. And if you don't do that, you're, more often than not, it's going to be an area that burns you.
2: It's simple, though. The risk is absolutely worth the reward. Right. You can win. The teams that you're going to be playing this week, Washington, Charlotte, San Antonio, they can beat you if they start making threes.
3: Period. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like um, the NCAA tournament where you have some of these sleeper teams when people try to fill out their brackets and they say... You know, which which underdog team should I go with that maybe has a chance to win a game or two? And a lot of times people say that you pick the team that shoots a lot of threes because if they get hot, even if they're a 15 seed, they might be able to advance. So it's kind of like that.
2: I can't ever remember uh, another time really watching the sport where 20 point leads feel like 10. Mm -hmm. Like before you down 20 in the first or second quarter, you start thinking of the next day. Right. You may not make it out the third quarter with that 20-point mm-hmm. lead. You might not make it to the midpoint of that third quarter. We've seen it. We have actually right. seen it here in New Orleans mm-hmm. in, in Pels games where their
3: 20-point leads go like that. And there, it's amazing, too. Um, John Schumann of NBA.com does a really good job with this. He talks about teams' records when they're down by 10 points or more. I forget which team it is. There's a team in the NBA that literally has a winning record this season in games where they're down by double digits. That's unbelievable. So, I mean, to your point, that's exactly what it's become. That, I mean, if you're up 20 in the first half, you definitely can't get complacent and be like, yeah, we got this because um, teams make runs. And I think it's people forget, too, it's kind of two sides of the coin. Not only are is it easier to come back or more common to come back from when you're down 20 because you could get hot from three-point range – you also can blow leads of 20-plus more because you're so reliant on three-point shooting that the volatility that I mentioned, how it can come and go and waver, that also makes it more – if you have a steady diet of post-ups like you, a lot of teams used to do 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, yeah. it's a lot harder to – quote-unquote harder to blow a huge lead because you, you're you throwing it inside all the time and you know like we might not score on every possession, but we'll score on enough. Right. Whereas if you're just gunning threes – you can go into one of those craters where all of a sudden now you can't score and all of a sudden the other team's hot. I love when you use big words.
2: (laughs) Volatility. Speaking of running, you've got to run, sir, because shoot-around's about to uh, take place, and you're going to be up there and get the very latest here as well. Pelicans.com, the website, official team website. Jim Eichenhofer posts all the time on there. You'll have your top things to keep an eye on as well, right?
3: That's right. And I'll have the keys to the game and we'll have a couple interviews. I'm not sure who we're getting yet. We usually find out kind of last minute, which is fine. Um, Spoke to Jose Alvarado and Jonas Valanciunas yesterday, so I'm sure we'll be getting a couple different guys today. But looking forward to this game against the Timberwolves like we've mentioned Few times, pretty important game, I think for for second Monday in December. I think we're going to start something on the podcast too.
2: About a word of the podcast, a word mm. of the day. Okay. Every every time we record a podcast, you're going to throw out a word. A, see if I actually know the definition, (laughs) and we can talk about it, and you have to tie it into something we're talking about. Okay. How
3: about that? Not that you have enough to get in, but I think it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a a nice challenge that might be fun.
2: I like that. All right, Jim, I can offer as always, man. Appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. All right, for sure. And always, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Don't forget, if you like what you're listening, like the show, because once you do that, imagine technology, Jim, a notification pops up. It goes bing a new pelicans podcast is available and ready to listen to so tell everybody about it follow the show that way we know you're listening and in that way jim gets even more excited when we sit there and check out and drop these new episodes a couple times a week so let's see what happens tonight four games this week three will be on the road but the one home game the t Wolves tonight over at the smoothie king center you've been listening to the new orleans pelicans podcast So long, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.